Our Heavenly Father, please be with us, inspire us, and help us to understand that without you we can do nothing, and we are in a desperate need for you to reveal your plans, your vision for each one of us and for us corporately. So be with us and be with all the presenters today in Jesus' name. Amen. In the introduction, I, uh, I will lay the ground for what I'm going to speak, and then I will have a short overview of er early health vision and work development, uh, the health vision which uh, Sister White received, uh, just to encourage us, because it was at a time when, uh, if you remember, uh, Elder James White worked uh, you know, a whole week for a dollar, I believe. So they, they were the poorest of the poor. They didn't have money, but it's encouraging to see how much they did without, the, without money. And then we'll go on to analyze three sanitariums which opened after 1990 and to see some, if we can see some common features of these uh, sanitariums. And then uh, I'll talk about the challenges of too small or too big sanitariums. And then give an idea of what I believe it's an ideal size for a sanitarium in terms of beds and staff. <clears throat> and then, you know, the, in the last part, I will try to give uh, several explanations of why we don't have a sanitarium near every big city of the world. Um, Promotion of wrong size and model of sanitariums might contribute to the already well-established opinion that in U.S., Europe, and almost everywhere, the sanitarium concept is outdated and not practical. Experiences like Lifestyle Center of America just bring, seemingly, evidence to this point. In this vacuum of models of what means successful sanitarium work, many other ideas and strategic plans might pop up. Depends how inventive is our mind, but the real question is this. What is the Lord saying about health institutions? What is he saying about sanitariums? What is his plan and, very important, did his plan change because our failure? <clears throat> sanitariums are part of God's closing work on earth. Let us remember, this is from Councils on Health, page 233. Let us remember that one most important agency is our medical missionary work. Never are we to lose sight of the great object for which our sanitariums are established, the advancement of God's closing work in the earth. So it talks about the closing work, not the middle work, not 100 before the work, closing work. And I believe they are here to stay. Who invented sanitariums? The plan to provide institution for the proper care of the sick originated with the Lord, not Sister White, not Kellogg. He has instructed his people that this institution should be established. Christ cooperates with those who engage in medical missionary work. Men and women who unselfishly do what they can to establish sanitariums and treatment rooms in many lands will be richly rewarded. Those who visit this institution will benefit it physically, mentally, and spiritually. The weary will be refreshed, the sick restored to health, the sin burdened relieved. In far-off countries, from those whose hearts are by these agencies turned from the service of sin 
unto righteousness will be heard thanksgiving and the voice of melody. But their songs of grateful praise, a testimony will be born that will win others to allegiance and to fellowship with Christ. So the Lord invented sanitariums. And it's interesting how the Lord sees these, what he wants them to be. All the light of the past, which shines unto the present and reaches forth into the future, as revealed in the word of God, is for every soul who comes to our health institutions. The Lord designs that sanitariums established among Seventh-day Adventists shall be symbols of what can be done for the world, types of the saving power of the truths of the gospel. They are to be agencies in the fulfillment of God's great purpose for the human race. So in the, in the post-modernistic uh, society, people are not so much interested anymore in truth, like they were you know, in the ages past when they fight for every dot of the truth. Today, you know, everything in the minds of the people, things we are, which are totally contrary, they can live there. But they are interested in health, I can tell you that this. <clears throat> Uh, sanitariums everywhere in the world. Sanitariums are to be established all through our world and managed by a people who are in harmony with God's laws, a people who will cooperate with God in advocating the truth that determines the case of every soul for whom Christ died. And their objective is to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. I have been instructed that our medical institutions are to stand as witnesses for God. They are established to relieve the sick and afflicted, to awaken a spirit of inquiry, to disseminate light and to advance reform. These institutions, rightly conducted, will be the means of bringing a knowledge of the reforms essential to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Before many, that otherwise it would be impossible for us to reach. And one thing, you know, uh, uh, talking about home sanitariums, I have seen again and again People are so impressed when we come together and we don't fight. We love each other. You know, they are impressed about a family or a single person who, who maybe is a little bit more fit, uh, you know, as a Christian. But really, they analyze what happens when we come together. And that has such a tremendous uh, uh, impact on their lives. <clears throat> are the sanitariums thing of the past? In our medical institution, the people are to be brought in contact with the special truths for this time. Sanitariums are to be established all throughout the world and managed by people who are in harmony with God's law, a people who will cooperate with God in advocating the truth that determines the case of every soul for whom Christ died. We have none too many sanitariums, so we don't have enough. There is in our world a great field for true medical missionary work. Our sanitariums are to be as lights shining amid the moral darkness. In them, the sick and suffering are to behold the miracle working power of Christ as revealed in the lives of the workers. Let your light so shine before men, says Christ, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Let the lamp of light from the word of God shine forth unmistakably. So this is from Councils on Health 242. <clears throat> this, uh, these words were written in a letter in 1909 after Loma Linda has been bought. 
Our sanitariums have been in the past and will continue to be, if rightly conducted, a means of blessing and uplifting the humanity. This institution have been represented to me as a beacon, as beacon lights showing for the truth as it is in Jesus. So <clears throat> when people come to this institution, they don't realize they come for the truth. They think they come for the health. And, but you know, what happens there prepares them to listen to the truth. Christ came to the world as the great physician of mankind. Our sanitariums, wherever they are established, should be, should be made educational forces. Wonderful has been the working out of God's plan in the establishment of so many health institutions. Intemperance of every kind is taking the world captive, and those who are true educators at this time, those who instruct along the lines of self-denial and self-sacrifice, will have their reward. Now is our time. Now is our opportunity to do a blessed work. <clears throat> I believe there are two directions for the health reform. As you read to the spirit of prophecy, one is the personal level. And we are admonished to learn and know physiology. Every member, pastors, lay people, everybody. And then to align our lifestyle to the real physiology, not, you know, uh, in and young or to the real physiology and we know so much about physiology today and then to teach other about the benefits gain of course if I smoke I cannot teach other to quit smoking and then cooking classes may fall here but then there is another level which you cannot reach with a personal level with what you do with uh, you know as a private person and this is an institutional level here is where instruction came about sanitariums, about clinics, ambulatory treatment rooms, and other health endeavors which were at that time or which we, you know, came, like health expos and like the pathways, you know, Amon is involved in. And a very important question I want to address in several slides, what makes a plant, be it a sanitarium or hospital, a sanitarium after God's order? Because it can be a, a so-called so sanitarium, but if it doesn't measure with these uh, criteria, it's not a sanitarium. Or it can be a hospital, but it, it's not a sanitarium. The first one, it follows God's plan of physical and spiritual healing. If a sanitarium connected with this closing message fails to lift up Christ and the principles of the gospel as developed in the third angel's message, it fails in its most important feature, and contradicts the very ob object of its existence. Our sanitariums in all their departments should be memorials for God, his instrumentalities for sowing the seeds of truth in human hearts. This they will be if rightly conducted. So somebody, uh, I will talk about uh, sanitariums that they shouldn't be hospitals. So somebody might get the wrong idea that, you know, I'm saying that Luma Linda is not a sanitarium. Lumalinda is a very complex animal uh, because the spirit of prophecy says this, the, the, this thing that many times when, when Adventists will go to a sanitarium or to a place to be cured and it's, you know, they help him or her, their tendency is to embrace the uh, philosophical and religious view of the physician. It says about Adventists. And so we, we need to provide. We shouldn't destroy what, what we build. But I think this 
this really calls us into refining and, and reinventing what we are doing. And I know I, I, I had discussion with Dr. Behrens and with Dr. Hart. They are, they are very preoccupied uh, about this. And, but this needs to be done even to a greater measure. What is a true sanitarium? It is an educational force. Sanitariums are to be, uh, to be so established and conducted that they will be educational in character. So if it's not educational, it's not a sanitarium. Every act of healing is an act of salvation. His work did not stop with an exhibition of his power over disease. This is from uh, Councils on Health. He made each work of healing an occasion of implanting in the heart the divine principle of his love and benevolence. Thus his followers, thus his followers had to work. So we have to be intentional. When people come, everything we do is connected to their salvation. <clears throat> it should be for both rich and poor. And for, again from Councils on Health, these institutions are to be God's memorials where his healing power can reach all classes, high and low, rich and poor. And the spirit of prophecy has provision for the poor to get to the sanitarium. But we need to work very close to the church in order to this happen, so that this will happen. Uh, they have to be memorials for Sabbath, an institution which is a... Uh, is a sanitarium. The people who bear his sign are to, to establish churches and institutions as memorials to him. These memorials, however humble in appearance, will constantly bear witness against the false Sabbath instituted by Satan and in favor of the Sabbath instituted by the Lord in Eden, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Councils on Health 235. What else makes a true sanitarium? The preferential use of natural, physiological, lifestyle remedies coupled with prayer. So this is a big one which we really need to, to look in our hospital again. Um, I know I, I've discussed yesterday with, with uh, Dr. <coughs> Fred Bishop, and he explained to me that uh, in, uh, in Loma Linda, in other hospitals, uh, they use a lot of fomentation and these natural remedies up to the, I guess, the Second World War, when they have such a such a, a, a great rate of people coming, and they, they had to serve uh, that kind of, you know, to to do a pain management with hydrotherapy. Dr. Kellogg did that. Uh, was so difficult, they couldn't do for all, and so they began to give this medication. But, you know, when the war was over, they didn't return back where they should have been, uh, you know, they should have taken from there. And today you can't do so much. There's so much literature of, of uh, natural remedies. And, you know, it's a, pay, it's, a, it's a pity the National Institute of Health has a department for complementary medicine, but we are afraid in our hospitals to start such a, such a uh, department for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, we should use preferentially natural psycho uh, physiological lifestyle remedies which are evidence-based, coupled with prayer. And then prayer is again a thing, you know, we should not be, and this is the message of Amon, we should not be ashamed to pray with the patients as, as Adventists. And then at the helm of the work in these sanitariums, there are God-fearing physicians. It's very important. Then, coupled with uh, these are good administrators to be self-sustainable. So, 
it might be that the rest of departments are doing good, but if you don't have a good administrators and you are in red all the time, we'll see that some of the health institutions were in red, but if you're always in red, there is a problem there. Uh, <clears throat> and then another thing which is important for an institution to be called sanitarium is that it teaches people to understand and like the laws of God, both physical and moral. And what happens is that they come for health. And you teach them physiology. Physiology is God's laws about the body. And as we, you teach them, something happens with their mind that they begin to realize that there might be some laws governing moral uh, nature of uh, people, spirituality, and they become very open to uh, God's law. God desires suffering human beings to be taught how to avoid sickness by the practice of correct, correct uh, habits of eating, drinking, and dressing. Men are suffering under the oppressive power of sinful practices who might be restored to health by an intelligent observance of the laws of life and health, by cooperating with him who died that they might have eternal life. This is the knowledge that men and women need. They need to be taught how to study the divine laws given, and here is all the laws, by Christ for the good of all mankind. This is the work that is to be done in our sanitariums. So that's why we should couple with the pastors, with chaplain, you know, to, in, in, this, in this work. What makes a plan to be a sanitarium is not speculat speculative. So it's not for gain. We do not establish them as speculative business, but to help men and women to follow right habits of living. Again, from uh, Councils on Health 249. Connected with the church, not outside, not private. I think it's very important uh, to be very well connected with the church. It takes effort. It takes may maybe there are some prejudice, but uh, in our observation in the countries we've been working, we, we make much more progress and a bigger impact with we are, if we take time to explain to the church leaders, to bring them on and to, to go together. I believe in the Moldova Republic, if we would have not this close connection with the church leaders, we, we would have failed maybe two or three times. Not first, they are not first and foremost hospitals. The purpose of our health institution is not first and foremost to be that of hospitals. The health institution connected with the closing work of the gospel in the earth stands for the great principles of the gospel in all its fullness. Christ is the one to be revealed in all the institution connected with the closing work, but none of them can do it so fully as the health institution where the sick and suffering come for relief and deliverance from both physical and spiritual ailment. Men of this need, like the paralytic of old, the forgiveness of sin, the first thing, and they need to learn how to go and sin no more. <clears throat> uh, it can be medical, surgical. We shouldn't think that the, our models, well, what we have at Hegelia, Wildwood, Wimar, is the end of it. Uh, there is a lot of space for improvement. The highest aim of the workers in this institution, in the health institution, is to be the spiritual health to patients. <clears throat> and then successfully evangelistic work can be done in connection with medical missionary work, letter 2002, 
It's uh, quoted in Medical Ministry, page 26. Uh, <clears throat> and I just thrown in this, uh, this gem. God has given our sanitariums an opportunity to set in operation a work that will be as a stone instinct, instinct with life, so a living stone, growing as it is rolled by an invisible hand. So we really need God in this in order to, to accomplish that. Let this mystic stone be set in motion. The Lord has repeatedly given instruction regarding the importance of this institution and the necessity for its establishment. He desires the sanitarium to be built that we may cooperate with his instrumentalities in relieving the suffering of humanity. I think God is interested in this. It's not, a, it's not a matter of money. I heard people saying, well, a sanitarium will cost one million or two million dollars. You know, this, this is not the right question about money. Uh, we'll see very soon what people did without money. Money is not the problem. When God wants, you know, the problem is, are we willing to go forward and do it? <clears throat> But today we are told sanitariums don't work. They are outdated, they are not self-sustainable, they are too sacrificial work, not enough decency in salaries, might work in poor countries, well, not quite. Maybe in Eastern Europe, emerging economies, but not in Western uh, world. And, and this is exactly when, this is a time when most of the principles which stood at the basis of the sanitarium model are proved and used around the world. Plant-based diet, <clears throat> I think this has a, yeah. Plant-based diets are on top. So everybody talks about it. I don't know if you knew, but uh, Dr. Willett from Harvard, he's the head of the department, nutrition department, he's a vegetarian. And he's advocating these things. Physical exercise are promoted everywhere, drug and other addiction treated, speech or life recognized, that he says it has a major impact in health, prayer, the same. Uh, this is the uh, scientific report of the 2015 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. So these are the best nutrition experts from the United States, which prepare 400, 500 pages for the, uh, the USDA and the human, you know, the, your medical ministry. And so they uh, then discuss with the food industry and the lobbyists and everything, and they, they clean some of the data and then give the uh, 90 or 100 pages of dietary guidelines for American. Uh, <clears throat> but this is, you know, I, uh, I read uh, most of it is 95% spirit of prophecy. What we were told, you know, many, many years ago. So uh, there is a five, still 5% which are not quite there about alcohol, but they say nobody should start drinking alcohol. Uh, but they still keep saying about, you know, alcohol and our disease, things like those. Quantitative, uh, this is, uh, I quote for this, from this report, quantitative modeling research showed how healthy dietary patterns relate to positive environmental outcomes that improve population food security. For the first time, they took in consideration the impact on environment. I, 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 I presume you know that if everybody would eat like uh, people eat in this country, we could feed only two billion people. Moderate to strong evidence demonstrates that the healthy dietary patterns that are higher in plant-based foods, such as vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds, and lower in calories and animal-based foods are associated with more favorable environmental outcomes. 
lower greenhouse gas emissions and more favorable land, water, uh, and energy use than our current U.S. dietary patterns. And they propose three healthy models. The first one is the healthy American traditional diet. The second is the Mediterranean diet, healthy. Uh, and the vegetarian healthy diet. But guess what? All of them have the same uh, uh, characteristic. They are rich in these uh, plant-based foods and low in animal products. And as you know, I, I guess uh, probably you know this, every time when the U USDA come up with a new guide and Harvard after one or two months, the, the, nutrition, uh, the, the, the nutrition department at Harvard comes with one and they say it's not affected by uh, food industry. And uh, the, lat the last one is the, that my plate. And you know that uh, the USDA plate has uh, milk there, which tells that we, we all should e drink everyday milk or milk products. But at Harvard, they took out the milk and they put uh, their water. And also they added uh, on the side some olive oil and you know healthy oils. <clears throat> So this is the time we are living, and exactly the time when we are saying sanitarium don't work anymore. So other people are doing this, and it works, and for us, don't. Why Dr. Ornish has been able to cover his work with oriental type of meditation and yoga, and we were not able to convince the insurance companies for our sanitariums? Why? Uh, just a short overview of early Adventist health work development. You know, in uh, 1863, the Otsego Vision in June. And then Andrews picked up the, 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 from there, it was in 1864, and he said, health and strength are among the things most valuable to us and of greatest consequence to those who shall witness the grand events of the time of trouble. This is just one year after the, that, that vision in the review, October 25. And then... <clears throat> At the GC in 1866, just three years after this, in June. Now keep in mind, this was June 66. Mrs. White says, I was shown that we should provide a home for the afflicted and those who wish to learn how to take care of their bodies that they may prevent sickness. Institution devoted to the successful treatment of disease, conducted by seven-day keeping physicians. By becoming acquainted with our people and our real faith, their prejudice will be overcome. They will be favorably impressed. Some will not only obtain relief from bodily infirmities, but will find healing balm from their sin-sick soul. This is from GC session, May 20. <clears throat> uh, one precious soul said will be worth more than all the means needed to establish such an institution. So probably a soul is worth maybe one million dollars, maybe two. Or maybe 10. <laughs> Thus some will become the means of introducing our faith in new places where it would have been impossible to gain access. And she said, some will not have enough moral courage to yield to their convictions. They may be convinced that Sabbath keepers have the truth, but the world and unbelieving relatives stand in the way of their receiving it. They cannot bring their minds to the point to sacrifice all for Christ, yet some of these last-mentioned class will go away with their prejudice removed and will stand as defenders of the faith of Seventh-day Adventists. We had a patient. She was a lawyer. Uh, she never became an Adventist. She was very close, and probably she became one, but, you know, God knows. 
but she came to Hergelia 40 times. She was the head of the, uh, the lawyers in her uh, big city. And she, she, she sent lots of you know, SUVs with lawyers to us. And I, I believe they would have not come if uh, she would have become an Adventist. <clears throat> OK. <clears throat> uh, Just to straighten a little bit and to kind of synthesize, uh, reporting the Rochester, New York Vision, December 25, 65, we go back one year, among many other health principles and ammunitions, she advocates a health institution with two objectives. One, for the benefit of the diseased and suffering among Adventists who needed the added advantage that could not be found in a popular water cure in another sanitarium. And second, for the means of bringing our views before many whom it would be impossible for us to reach by the common course of advocating the truth. So both for Adventists and non-Adventists. Uh, <clears throat> and here, you know, is the, the, the quotation from First Testimonies 489, in which she says, Adventists at, at peril attending successful worldly health institution. So this is another reason why we need to have our own health institution. It's very, it's very potent. It's very efficient for folks in, in both ways. <clears throat> uh, and then here is what <coughs> um, Uriah Smith says <coughs> in uh, Review and Herald, September 11, 1863. It was May. Yeah, when she spoke to the GC. And now it's May, September 11. Uh, it's, it's September 11, so four months. We have only to look back, Uriah Smith says, four short months. Now we behold an elegant site secured, buildings ready for operation, and the operation actually commenced. In no enterprise ever undertaken by his people has the hand of the Lord been more evidently manifested than in this thing. At that time, uh, Lobor was the president of the Michigan Conference, and he got together, all the pastors said, we don't have money, but we need to join in this, and, and they joined. And, uh, you know, the Lord really made miracles because they didn't have this kind of money to purchase all that. So in May 1866, GC voted to establish health institution. In June, they bought 66. They bought Judge Graves' house and eight acres uh, in Battle Creek. In August 66, the Health Reformer magazine started. It's important to have some, a magazine associated. In June, August 66, two-story addition added. I don't know how they built, but they built very quickly. In September 5, 66, Health Reform Institute opened under the medical management of Dr. H.S. Lay. And one year later, in May 67, it was incorporated with a board of trustees, almost full of patients, and several already embraced our faith. <clears throat> in 76, so about 10 years later, Dr. Kellogg joined as physician-in-chief. In 76, the name changed to Medical and Surgical Sanitarium. In 77, increased demand met by building more rooms, they build it. In 78, new main building, 136 by 46 feet, four stories high erected. Scores accepted the light of present truth. In 77, November, 
M.G. Kellogg bought property near St. Helena. In 77, in the in winter, rural health retreat was built. In 78, in the spring, rural health retreat opened for patients. <clears throat> From 78 to 85, rural health retreat ran on red, lost money. So it's not, it's not the unforgivable sin to, to lose some money in the beginning. In 85, May, change in the medical management, and they, they started again a journal. It's very important to keep in mind. The written you know, thing is very important to promote. Um, the, in June, a bi-monthly Pacific Health Journal, editor G.H. Wagoner. In 86, rural health retreat was in black, started to make profit. 91, charity treatment at Battle Creek Sanitarium during first 25 years was $100,000. That's about maybe $10 million today, more or less. Uh, <clears throat> in 91, March, at the GC conference, there was a plea for an orphanage, orf orphanage and in 94, January, an orphanage was open. Same time, open James White Memorial Home for Age and Homeless People. How was the beginning? The Health Reform Institute was organized in 1866 well, in Battle Creek. Two doctors, two bath attendants, one nurse untrained, three or four helpers, one patient, and any amount of inconveniences, and a great deal of faith in the future of the institution and the principles on which it was founded. This was the beginning of present enterprises. Uh, when he was talking about this, it had more than 300 beds at, uh, at Battle Creek. <clears throat> and after 28 years, on the site of the original cottage, this is uh, Dr. Kellogg in the medical missionary, January 1894. On the site of the original cottage, there now stands a building 320 feet long and 100 feet deep, six stories high, which accommodates 300 guests, furnished with every appliance that modern science can suggest for the care and rest restoration of the sick. Ten physicians, most of whom are specialists in their respective lines, constitute the medical faculty. Nurses and other helpers form a family of more than 300, and the pat patronage of the institution represents every state in the Union and many guests from other lands. Its doors are always, this is, I want to stress this, its doors are always open to the missionary, home or foreign of whatever name, and the family is rarely without one or more of these guests. There was a culture of, of going into the mission. <clears throat> in 1884, in July, they started a nursing school for the training of medical missionary nurses. One year later, in June, in 85, American Medical Missionary College organized with a purpose to train physicians. Uh, opened the doors in uh, October 1st, first class of 40 medical students. <clears throat> in 1895, besides many employed, many uh, nurses employed in Battle Creek uh, Sanitarium and U.S., 53 nurses serving in foreign countries in Europe, Mexico, Africa, Australia, or, 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 or China, how do you, Oceania, <laughs> Asia. And then in the GC yearbook 1905, in 38 years, there were 50 sanitariums around the world. They opened four every three years. In the United States, 35, Great Britain, three, Germany, one, Switzerland, one, Denmark, one, 
Norway, Sweden, South Africa, one. Australia, two. New Zealand, one. Island of Samoa, one. Old Mexico, one. India, Jap Japan, one. And two treatment rooms, uh, 17 in the United States, two in Israel. <laughs> this is interesting. One in Haifa and one in Jerusalem. And uh, one in Old Mexico, South Africa, Australia. And 26 vegetarian restaurants. <clears throat> Today, everything we were told is confirmed by the evidence-based medicine. Like I said, for the first time, they talk about vegetarian health diet, and they recommend this. Uh, <clears throat> in the next part of my presentation, let me analyze uh, three sanitariums which uh, we opened after 1990. And very quickly, a few pictures from the first one, Hergelia in Romania. For those who didn't see, this is Dr. Guthrie, the younger, or not, not the older, I guess. <laughs> uh, this is the view. Uh, here are the farm. The, just before I came, uh, uh, I ate some... Uh, what uh, no yellow uh, melon? How do you call the yellow one? Not the watermelon. Yeah, cant cantaloupes. They they uh, they grow like cucumbers. <laughs> um, so it's it's a fifty bed uh, facility, as people will uh, won't like to stay uh, two in the rooms. Probably will uh, will have to decrease the number. Uh, do a lot of health education, exercise. Um, we have uh, a strong uh, gardening and farm program. And uh, we try to uh, bring together the medical students in Romania residents. Uh, in the first meeting, the, uh, Dean Hadley has been a main speaker. And next, next year, I'm looking for, forward for some of the leaders of Amen to come and to speak in March to the medical students and uh, uh, residents. The second, uh, so the Hergelia started in '96. Moldova Lifestyle Center in Moldova Republic in 2014. And here you have some pictures. This is the main lobby. Um, uh, they have tasty food, vegetarian diet. Um, this is the room. There are large rooms with bathrooms. Um, <coughs> And then the last one is Migdalia Sanitar. Migdalia is, uh, means God is my tower of refuge. And this is on the shore of uh, Lake Galilee. Uh, it was uh, 17th of September, just one month ago. And in the evening after running all day, I was staying on, the, on this porch, on this terrace here, overlooking the, the Sea of Galilee. And I couldn't believe, you know, I, I couldn't believe that we have a small lifestyle center in Israel. Um, and it's, it's just uh, gorgeous. These are the mountains here. This is the sea. And in the back, there are ample spaces where people can walk. This is the property right here. We have six rooms for the patients. And around here is the... Um, the <clears throat> mango orchard and we uh, we plan to buy this piece of property also it's uh, it's a piece we will need for further development and for agriculture <clears throat> uh, a few pictures 
this is the pool and these are uh, this is the entrance let me show you here the <coughs> the five rooms are underneath this uh, the the five rooms and we have one in the the main uh, house it's a it's a very very nice place and just the thought that Jesus and his disciples went from Capernaum to Nazareth or maybe when he visited Migdal maybe he went out to this place to pray during the night it's uh, tremendous <clears throat> okay um, Sorry for those who cannot see. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> the three ideas. The, the idea was born for Hergelia in 89 and it was open in 96. It took six years. In Moldova, the idea was born in 2001 and it took 13 years. In uh, Israel, the idea was born in 2009 by locals. Uh, neither one of these uh, was our idea at Ergelia. And it took uh, another six years to 2016 to open. Uh, Ergelia has a medical missionary school. We were told that we should run some kind of training uh, with H Sanitarium. And we started the medical missionary school three years after we started the, um, the Lifestyle Center in '96. In Moldova, we did a little bit different. Three years after, two years after we bought the property, we started the medical missionary school. Um, Hergelia has 50 beds. The lifestyle center in Moldova has 45. And in Israel, Migdalia has 12. The staff in Hergelia is about 45 and some helpers. Usually, you know, in the honeymoon, when you start, you can run with less than one-to-one, -one, but later one is, is about one-to-one. -one. In, um, in Moldova, they have 30 staff, and in Bigdalia, we will start with eight or less to start with. Patients served in Hergelia over uh, 20,000 people who stayed with us at least 11 days. And in, uh, in Moldova, so far in two years, 1,300. <clears throat> Recently, the head of the main hospital in, uh, in Moldova came as a patient to us in Moldova Republic. He's a cardiovascular surgeon. And he has a hospital with uh, 1,800 employees. Uh, is the, the biggest hospital. And he said after he's, he's been there, there, he said, I need to bring my staff here. I need to bring you know, at least the leader of my staff to see how a, a, a real health system is run. And he, you know, he's a cardiovascular surgeon. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the incorporation was in 91 for Hergelia. In, uh, in Moldova was 2002, in Migdalia 2016. Uh, medical personnel, so those working in the medical department, out of 45, and I put the numbers here so you can remember, uh, out of 45, there are 18 people working in the medical department. In Moldova, less, 12, and in Israel, there will be three. Physician in Hergelia, we have three. In Moldova, we have only one. Many times, we have other physicians for abroad who go and help. And in Migdalia, there will be one on and off, 
won't be able to stay all time. So we are extend an invitation for for Amon members to to subscribe to coming maybe for one week, two weeks to help the work in uh, Israel. Then uh, uh, nurses, we have seven in uh, Hergelia. We have three in Moldova. Therapists, uh, we have five in Hergelia. We have seven in Moldova. Physical therapists, we have uh, two. It's very important to keep in mind and many things we do in a lifestyle center is related to a physical therapy. And we really need to update some of our institution on that. Uh, administration in Hergelia, five people work in administration, two in Moldova. Cooks, we have six in Hergelia, four are for the guests, uh, the guest, one for the uh, workers, and one is for the bread. We cannot find whole wheat bread, so we have to do it from scratch. And the same person do the soy milk and tofu. Uh, they have four uh, cooks in Moldova and one which is with the bread. And in Migdalia, there will be two. Cooks are very important, by the way, very, very important. Uh, farm greenhouses. We have in Hergelia three people. In Moldova, there is one person, and in Migdalia, there will be one, actually half uh, of, of the time. Uh, then we have uh, four people more for drive, you know, driver, purchasing, maintenance, store, storage, and so on, less in Moldova. And we have a chaplain in uh, Hergelia, we had one in Moldova. We are looking for one uh, together with the uh, church. Then in the medical missionary school, we have four people working in Hergelia, three in Moldova. <clears throat> the format of the program is in both Hergelia and Moldova 11 days, back-to-back -back year-round. In Migdalia, we will have to do it uh, differently. It's a different country. We cannot just take a model. Uh, we will try and see. Uh, we do physical therapy, we use uh, ultrasonography in Hergelia, we, uh, you know, in Moldova we don't, but as, you know, in your practice, as you noticed, you know, ultrasonography will be like a stethoscope very soon. Uh, blood testing we do in uh, both Hergelia, uh, Moldova, and probably we will do in Migdalia. Proximity to a, a hospital, um, we have a teaching hospital uh, near Hergelia, 12 miles away. And uh, we have a, a fairly good hospital 10 miles away from Moldova. As far as programs in Hergelia, we have weight management, smoking cessation, blood pressure control, blood lipids control, meta, you know, metabolic for, for metabolic uh, syndrome, control addiction, and music therapy. The same thing in, in Moldova. <clears throat> we employ three shifts in, uh, in Hergelia and Moldova. Uh, and in Migdalia, we probably we don't, we don't have enough people, but somebody will be there overnight. Um, we have two shifts for registration. It's so important. The person who talks with the, uh, those who want to register is very important. Vacation. Uh, in Romania, starts at 21 working days. So it's not bad, no? It starts, you know, when you start working in a non-for-profit, that's the, the, the beginning. Uh, 21 working days, and maximum is 30 days for those who stay with an institution more. And it's pretty much the same in the Moldova and Israel. Medical insurance, yes, we cover that uh, in all three places. 
retirement, yes, we... Yeah, it's legally. You cannot start with uh, a week. It's legal. So we, in, in our ar arrangement for the salaries, we cover medical insurance retirement. and uh, There are other benefits like meals, like uh, parents are free every two years to come. Uh, and then there is a three-week uh, around Christmas when nobody would come as a patient. It's still paid for the workers. Uh, and then... Uh, let's take a look at finances because this is important, uh, the balance of finances. In Hergelia, we will compare with minimum wage because it doesn't make sense to tell you how much is in dollars. Uh, minimum wage, uh, the number of staff on minimum wage, we have three of them, more in Moldova, five. Highest salary in Hergelia is 183% of the minimum wage. So this is not like in the world. Um, the greatest discrepancy between uh, uh, world and sanitarium is uh, of those highly trained. And really, you know, you are there because you love the Lord <laughs> and you decided so. Uh, and then Moldova, it's a little bit bigger, uh, uh, you know, bigger. The highest salary is 2019% two, uh, from the minimum wage. And we have in Hergelia four people on this higher, highest wage and three in Moldova. How much pay the patients? Because it's important. We, uh, I compare with minimum wage. What is minimum wage here? If you uh, go with uh, the minimum wage for hour, 40 hours a week, uh, 170 a month. Uh, somebody should uh, make a calculation. That's minimum wage. Yeah, so. So, for 11, 11 days session in Hergelia, people pay 150% of minimum wage. So, we, we purposefully, from the beginning, we, before we started, we said if the possibility to charge is these, you know, from here to there, we'll stay always closer to the lowest range because we want to, to uh, maximize the access of the poor also, not only rich. But still, you know, stay in a, in a level where we, we, you know, we can live decently. Well, you know, after a, a trip in Africa, your idea of decency kind of change. But this is another topic. Uh, and what are the percentage we are using of the income uh, we are using for salaries? In Hergelia, is about 45% of uh, our income goes for salaries. In Moldova, a little bit more, 50%. <clears throat> uh, very quickly, what are the challenges are uh, of uh, too small or too big hospitals? I guess from what I said in the beginning, you kind of got an idea that is almost impossible to have a small sanitarium like after, you know, call it, you know, to have something in your home uh, and call it uh, sanitarium. I'm not aware of Mrs. White talking about home sanitariums, never. Mr. White, uh, Mrs. White took sick people in her house but never claimed that this turned her house into a home sanitarium. <clears throat> uh, 
How can we, in such a setting, make a treatment prescription without diagnosis? Today, to, to, make a, to prescribe a treatment without diagnosis, that's an unforgivable scene. You know, at, when, when you can, and in a societies where you can. If the house is not that of a physician, or at least a nurse, how to diagnose? Even if it is a physician, there are so many specialties, and there are some people who come, and maybe you don't know about it, and you do something, and the patient die. You know, patients die even in sanitariums. Who will cook daily, seven days every month for years? Who will be available 24-7 available for months and years? Who will pay when in need of a vacation, be that two weeks or two months, or for medical leave or for pregnancy, and after birth, raising the kids and no income? Then patients are up to date with Google. You cannot just because it's God's work to do maybe uh, something and just pretend that, you know, they know more than you do. They Google everything, and then you, you really have to be up to, <laughs> to the task. We cannot treat using just several modalities, be them natural. Dr. Kellogg had in the 1890s over 200 hydrotherapy modalities. Most chronic diseases need a team approach. So we know so much about them, we cannot pretend we don't. Hospitality is dying. Folks, how many of us will take patients in our home? Let's, let's be honest. In our home, <clears throat> about 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have a phone. We, we lived near the church. We have only two rooms. And constantly we have patients, uh, not patients, we, we had guests. They didn't call, they just show up, we fed them, and never my mother said after they left, well, they should have not come. So they, they, but today we are so stressed, we, we hardly can wait to go home and, and clear up, and, but not to take care of another patient. <laughs> uh, you know, our, hospitality is dying, and that's our fault. We, we should be revived, but that, this is the reality. Most of the members are omnivorous and less advanced than many in the world. And I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Health Adventist uh, study too, less people are, are vegetarian than in one. <clears throat> there is an uh, efficient ratio of janitors, cooks, administration to patients. Three cooks can cook for 30 people or can cook for 12. It, it is a big difference in salaries ratio to income. Burnout needs to be taken in consideration, and we had a lecture on that. Honeymoon may last one, two years, but then if we don't want a big uh, turnover and burnout, we need to shift to eight-hour work, 40 hours a week, with vacations for most of the workers. <clears throat> the challenge of big sanitariums, I don't need to speak to that. You know that. Uh, Better Creek illustrated that. Lost vision for sin-sick healing. Hard to maintain a good quality team. You lose people. Hard to integrate hundreds of patients in small groups. It's, it's clear against the plan of the Lord. In my opinion, if there should be an ideal number of beds and staff, it should be somewhere between 30 and 50. Best of group dynamic, around 30 to 50 patients. Can go beyond for economical reasons. Depends very much on leadership, spiritual leadership, how much more can go up. Small sanitariums in the spirit of prophecy means under 100 beds. There are several quotations on this small sanitarium. This is what it means. Okay. <clears throat> I will skip uh, because it's, it looks like I'm, my time is over. 
I will skip the reasons why we don't have uh, more sanitariums, but we probably will, will just upload this presentation and people will be able to, to look. I just want to, to finish with this. <clears throat> Christ is no longer in this world in person, but he has commissioned us to carry forward the medical missionary work that he began, and in this work we are to do our very best. For the furtherance of this work, institution for the care of the sick are to be established, where men and women suffering from disease may be placed under the care of God-fearing physicians and nurses. Sanitariums are to be established and conducted that they will be educational in character. They are to show to the world the benevolence of heaven. Though Christ's visible presence is not discerned, yet the workers may claim the promise. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. May God bless and I pray that this work will flourish. I think the best time can be in the future. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org